Today in the Topping Show, The Daily Wire sells 300,000 chocolate bars in 36 hours. Illinois judge strikes down an AR and magazine ban. Andrew Tate may have lung cancer. Vanguard walks away from ESG investments. Bentley to kill their W12 engine. And Altria to acquire vaping company Enjoy. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN and Topping Technologies. ExpressVPN helps protect your online data, and Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader that could use some help, you can reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Jumping into the business section of the podcast, Altria announced that they're going to acquire vaping company Enjoy. Altria is the parent company behind most of the brands you recognize if you're at the grocery store or convenience store seeing the cigarettes. They are the parent company behind Philip Morris, which is a parent behind Marlboro, Merritt, Virginia Slims, Bond Street, as well as Chesterfield cigarettes. And the acquisition of them acquiring Enjoy is going to be worth around $2.8 billion. And the key reason they're buying them really is because of the FDA approval. So six Enjoy products have currently received regulatory approval from the FDA, and they're one of the very few companies that actually has that locked in. Now, if you go on the contrast, Altria invested a bunch of company into Juul, which for all intents and purposes was the industry leader and the first really mass marketable mass successful e-cigarette slash vaping company however some say they were unfairly targeted nevertheless the government targeted jewel saying that they were their advertising campaigns and their flavors were too specific towards children and and it was an appropriate use of their marketing campaigns it was deceptive and because of that it completely limited the company obviously a lot of lawsuits so altria lost a lot of money on that investment so now again trying to increase the diversity and going to go ahead and purchase this android company which should help them further diversify their portfolio as in the u.s a lot of people are moving away from traditional tobacco products and now moving to vaping since you could basically use them anywhere there's no restrictions like restaurants what have you interestingly enough though globally tobacco use is on the rise now going over to the facebook site meta they are now like they're going to price cut the vr headset in an attempt to boost demand, specifically in the most dramatic price decrease, it's going to go from the Quest Pro currently listed for sale for $1,500 down to $1,000. And some reports, including a website called IncredibleTools.com, note that there are currently 400 million people who are using the metaverse every month. And there are a lot of big companies behind this, including Facebook Meta. You have the graphics company NVIDIA. You also have Epic Games, Microsoft, Apple. Decentraland, Roblox Corp, Unity Software, Snapchat, and Amazon being some of the most largest companies putting investment dollars into this concept. And there's a lot of industrial applications, there's a lot of manufacturers, including automotive, where they're actually using the metaverse to virtually design an entire factory. And then you can virtually walk through it and move machinery around. And based on that, it gives them a lot much better idea of how to efficiently map out these factories, these layouts of equipment, and make it a little bit more efficient. And for them, it's a little bit easier to visualize as opposed to a traditional putting on a graphic design like a PowerPoint or something that's a lot more static 
and two-dimensional. So there's a lot of applications, a lot of companies like lot in the aerospace community, including Lockheed and Boeing. They're experimenting and currently using VR for designs for a lot of their components of the aircrafts, where it's a little bit easier for the engineers to actually take the design and in hand, flip things around and manipulate it and make tweaks. So it definitely has its commercial applications. It'll be interesting to see what that pivot point is, what the turning point is that really pushes this to the forefront where it's almost like the default, kind of kind of like how the internet is now how the default, how everyone works for the most part. If you have a computer, you're, you're going to use the internet. If you have a job, many of the jobs in the United States is technologically driven or technologically dependent, even if you're quote, quote, something as rudimentary or traditional as a POS system or point of sale system where you're doing a checkout of groceries or a restaurant, that's still connected to the internet. So it'll be interesting to see if this becomes that next big thing, and many people are suspecting they will. However, some technologies are regressing. Amazon, another interesting note, they're going to close eight of their cashierless grocery stores. Also, interestingly enough, are the locations, two in Seattle, two in New York, and four in San Francisco. The Amazon Go stores were concept they developed where they actually have cameras and sensors everywhere to detect what products were removed from the shelves and track the users. And it's a brilliant idea where you can go into the store, they recognize you because of technology, and you can pick up certain items, put into your cart, and you leave the store completely, zero interaction with you having to scan barcodes or work with a traditional cashier to use an exchange of a credit card or even cash. And this is just work with your Amazon account. So it's interesting to see a lot of people are noting San Francisco has increased in crime past couple of years. It's getting pretty bad for a lot, of, a lot of retailers, traditional ones like CVS and all of them are, many of them are leaving as well. So some are suspecting it's more to do with perhaps the more localized issues as opposed to the concept. They still do have 20 stores throughout the United States with the Amazon Go concept. And it'll be interesting to see how it comes along. This comes off the news of Amazon slowing other investments. They put a pause on the construction of their second headquarters in Arlington, Virginia, which they recently announced. Now, in sad news in the automotive, Bentley decided that they're going to kill their W12 engine. 12 cylinders of perfection, some might say. It'll become end of life in 2024. They've made this engine for more, a little bit over 20 years. And granted, it's basically two VR6 engines together. Hence the W shape. It's a, it'll be a little sad. So they're going from a six liter W12 internal combustion engine to a V8 and a V6 hybrid production, which is just utterly disappointment. From a ba- from a brand like Bentley, throughout history, who had the biggest, most advanced, fascinating engines of all time. Look at their classics, even to the modern versions. They always had the biggest and best in terms of power displacement and just sheer magnitude of force. Now, Bentley sees this Baltier model as the send-off for the W12, and that's going to have the most powerful engine that will have 740 horsepower, 737 foot-pounds of torques. And of course, like all these unique, awesome products, it's already sold out, so you can't get one. And that's going to be, again, I'm not a financial advisor, but in terms of automotive history and collectability and kind of an end of the era it is going to be I, I suspect they'll go up in value someday as the gas engine gets another nail in the coffin from epa regulations and global regulations as well and it's sad to see such a monumental engine being put to rest 
Now the Continental, if you still want to get one, the Continental GT, Flying Spur, and, ben, and Pentega will also offer, also offer a twin-turbo 6-liter of W12 at the moment. The factory in Krug UK will make the final engine in April of 2024. I can't imagine how much that final engine is going to be worth if you put it on an auction site, like something like Barrett-Jackson Auction, or just the final production Bentley W12. That's, I mean, that's a piece of history right there if I ever heard one. Now, other interesting business news, Vanguard recently announced they're going to pull out of ESG. ESG being the acronym for Environmental, Social, and Governance, or ESG score. And it said they're going to exit from net zero asset managers. And this is one of their initiatives, or the net zero asset managers, is a specific initiative to pick investments with high ESG scores. That was launched in 2020 with the goal to encourage fund firms to reach a zero emission targets by 2050 and limit the rise of global temps. 291 signatories are on that initiative, which represent 66 trillion in assets under their management with this astronomical. But the CEO of Vanguard, Tim Buckley, he announced that he has a fiduciary responsibility to clients. Of course, that's what every investment firm, by law, if you're a fiduciary, that means that's a very special term. It means you're obligated to do what's best for your client physically. Not in terms of shoving them down, you know, shoving them like physically, but fiscally. Again, enunciation is, is an art. But I think you're going to see more and more of these pushback. We had in this, this another recent announcement, I believe it was last week, when the Biden administration was incentivizing. This is, this is a fancy term for it, but the retirement funds were being pushed to make investments based on ESG scores, not the actual fiscal returns. And as more and more people realize their money losses, more and more people are going to be upset that the investment is not representative of what they were told. It's another hand or different scenario, I believe, if you have a firm that starts from the ground up or initially reaches out to their clients saying, this is what we do. We are a ESG company. All we care about is the environment. There's a high risk. You will lose money. There's a high risk. You might not make any money. There's a small, small risk someday you will make money because that's how things are currently with the current technology we have with most of these ESG score companies and people should have that transparency and peace of mind to know where they're putting their money is rest assured that my financial manager or that company like Vanguard, which owns countless stocks and countless businesses, they're going to do what's best for me fiscally and I could, I don't have to worry about my retirement fund being blistered out to nothing because they invented in some technology that turns out to be junk or utterly physically fruitless. So you're, as more and more people awaken to the realization that ESG scores are more of a political thing and not actually, not, not even necessarily a good thing for the environment or your bank account, you're going to see more and more these companies being, I think they'll be sued depending on, you know, the terms and conditions, which are probably longer than an, an iTunes agreement. But they're supposed to be doing what's best for you and your wallet. Not going out and investing in things based on warmy, fuzzy feelings. If you want to do that, start a new business and be clear from the start. This is what our company is going to do. If you want to put your money into this type of initiative from the beginning, that, that's what it's going to be. But if you're a traditional investment firm and people think, oh yeah, I'm going to trust you, that my money... Historically, you pick companies that always grow up in value. I trust it. It'll be fine. 
So thankfully they're starting to wake up to that. Now going to the culture section, which is another fascinating amalgamesh or com combination with business. Media company, The Daily Wire, sold 300,000 chocolate bars in the first 36 hours of launch, which in terms of a product launch is utterly brilliantly successful. So Jeremy Boring and the team definitely know what they're up to. They actually bought the domain IHateHershey's.com, which reroutes to, to Jeremy's Razors, which is another company that the uh, co-CEO founder Jeremy Boring launched when they lost a contract with Harry's Razors and lost their own razor company to, car to target their conservative audience and give them an outlet for their dollars where the other companies were getting more political and there really wasn't an option for them at that time. And if you go into the video, the Daily Wire chocolate video has more than 8.5 million views and 75,000 likes. And they made it in direct re response to Hershey's hiring a trans woman to celebrate International Women's Day. And Jeremy, quote unquote, Jeremy Boring says, as long as corporations and institutions across America continue to alienate half a country, the Daily Wire will continue to build alternatives. Stop giving your, woke, your money to woke companies that hate you. Quote, unquote. So he is perfectly and articulately sending a message to his audience and telling his fans exactly what they want to hear, giving them a outlet for them to spend their money in a way to a company that reflects their values, when at the moment, no one else is. So it's fascinating to see how successful they've become. And the price of the, the candy bars, they break down. And if you go to the website, they're actually called Jeremy's Chocolate Binary. The bars go for a four pack of candy bars for $25, a 10 pack of candy bars for $46, or a 24 pack for $67.76. And they sold 300,000 chocolate bars in 36 hours. So the very minimum amount of money they'll make if everyone bought a 24 pack to get the lowest price per unit, that would be $846,000 in 36 hours, which is utterly brilliant. So you knew they had this plan for a little while. I suspect they planned it as soon as M&M's came out with their initiative and started to politicize that chocolate. And then as soon as Hershey's basically copied M&M's, the other wire was able to, you know, snap their fingers and hit the ground running. So in terms of playing and executing a business plan and initiative, they've been utterly successful beyond many measure, although we did measure it here today. So it'll be interesting to see how that company continues to grow as other companies alienate their audiences. Other cultural fascinating things, Andrew Tate may have lung cancer. He's a former kickboxing champ. He founded something called Hustlers University and he found it with his brother, I believe it's it Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate. Now, the Hustlers University is supposedly is definitely not a real university in the traditional sense. And it's supposed to be supposedly where you're learning about financial and business advice and growing and all about being a man. And some of the things he said are fascinating. Perhaps one or two things are true. And he's gained a lot of attention and really went viral, partially because he's damn good at marketing. He came up with not a, somewhat of a pseudo MLM business model where I don't believe you need to pay in in order to become a associate, but each person, if they want, they get like a URL. So everyone who posts like a image or a video of Andrew Tate, they can put a URL saying, Hey, by the way, join his house university. And that person will get a commission if someone signs up using that URL. So one of the reasons he became so incredibly viral is by 
using that business model and incentivizing all of his fans to find more fans and more fans and more fans. And it is fascinating to see how successful they've become in such a short period of time. Now, he was originally accused of having of female trafficking, and he was in Romania, which is somewhat ironic because he, a few months prior, he actually was joking on one of his podcasts as a guest, and they were asking him, you know, why do you go to Romania? And he said, well, it's because I'm rich. I, I can buy, buy my way out, or however his accent, much better than mine. But he basically said, alluded that he has the money, and Romania is a corrupt country, so if you have cash, you just buy your way out of anything. Ironically, he chose to live there, and the Romanian authorities seized him and his brother on accusations that they were trafficking women. So they were put into jail in December. No charges filed. And they're, so they're sitting there rotting away. And the two women that were pur purported to be victims, they went to the judge in Romania and they said, hey, we are friends with the Tate brothers. That's not what happened. And the judge, I don't know if this is sexist, ignorant, or option three, the judge said, well, you, you clearly don't know what you're saying. You've been brainwashed. So they presented evidence saying that they are not what you think you are. And the judge, judge basically said, I don't care. They're not being released. And so they've been held for about three months now. No official charges filed. And I believe, according to Romanian law, which I try to say that as derogatorily as possible in terms of as disgusting law to seize, to, to take anyone to jail without pro prosecuting them or for actually charging them, utterly draconian outdated and evil and it's just insane to think they've been in jail for three months no charges filed just riding away now one of andrew tate's doctors i believe from uae or dubai reached out told the romanian authorities that he actually has lung cancer and on that note they're trying they're arguing for him to get out of jail in those some would say subhuman conditions in the jail and Again, going to my, some might say old school mentality of, you know, my favorite, one of my favorites go-tos is, you know, I might not agree what you have to say, but I'll fight for your death to right to say it. As far as I could tell, and start, the, the evidence we have today is that he has not committed a crime as far as we know, and we don't see any evidence showing he has. He said a lot of things that people find utterly disgusting, but to have someone just rot in jail just on, just on that alone, that's ridiculous. And I don't believe he's a United States citizen. There's there's not a lot of support from traditional governments to get him out in any way. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I believe in Romanian law, they can keep you without any charges for 180 days. If you're doing ballpark math, three months is about you know 90 days. So it'll be interesting to see if they just extend it because they've gone to the judge and they've asked to be released multiple times. And the judge basically just keeps kicking the can and goes, oh no, we're just going to keep holding you a little while longer. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully he doesn't have cancer. I would never wish that on my greatest enemy. And hopefully he gets released soon and we get the evidence that is brought to light and he's proven innocent or if he's guilty, it's prosecuted appropriately. Now going to the politics, Illinois recently struck down a Illinois gun ban. The Macon County judge Rodney Forbes ruled, so he struck down the law that is currently being pushed on the books in Illinois for quote unquote high powered rifles and 
quote unquote, high capacity magazines. And I use quote unquote because when they say high power, they're traditionally, they're, they're referencing the AR-15 or the armor light rifle, also known as the assault rifle by, by politicians who like to convolute terminology and make it as murky as possible. And high power I find ridiculous because if you look at the actual power of a traditional AR-15 chambered 223, 5.56, I mean, that's not much at all compared to a traditional bolt action hunting rifle on your grandpa's wall. So there's certainly not high power. And they say high capacity magazines, yet another, yet another ridiculous hyperbole or incorrect, inaccurate term. It was designed with a 30 round magazine. Some debate it originally was manufactured with a 20 round until Eugene Stoner quickly saw the competition with AK-47 purportedly or supposedly and then redesigned it. So for most of history, for like half a decade, I believe, or sorry, half a century, it's come with a 30 round magazine. And if you get one, 99% of the time, depending on where you, as long as you're not in California or a restricted state, it comes with a one free 30 round standard capacity magazine. So that's why a lot of people, they say high capacity. It's not, it's standard capacity. They're using it in another term to scare people and prey on people's uneducation to try a further political agenda, which I find utterly disgusting, which is always why you should, but most every topic, educate yourself, find out the right terms, now, that was just one specific judge, and this is coming to light of specifically Governor J.B. Pritzker. He signed that ban on those in uh, a couple of year, you know, a couple months back. Apologies, and we interested to see as soon as that happened, the Illinois Attorney General is appealing to the Illinois Supreme Court. So, because they realize if enough people overturn this and they rule it's unconstitutional, it'll eventually expand throughout Illinois. So they're trying to they're trying to stop that. Regardless, the United States Supreme Court, I'm fairly confident they're going to strike that down as they've ruled time and time again, you cannot ban guns in common use. And there are more AR-15 magazines than anyone could possibly count. More than 50% of all rifles sold in the U.S. are AR-15 rifles. It's as common as cars with four wheels. So based on that, most, most suspect... There will be a case that makes its way to the United States Supreme Court in which they overturn states restricting those such as California, Illinois, I believe actually Ohio. The city of Columbus actually recently banned standard capacity magazines. December 15th will soon go into effect. Now that ban, users have until July 1, uh, users in Columbus City have until July 1 to quote unquote comply. But the three options they're telling you, one being sell the magazine to a licensed dealer outside of Columbus, two, move the magazines outside the city, three, we'll say, three, turn them into a division of the police. Now keep in mind, AR-15 magazines are so simple design manufacturer make, relatively speaking, you can print one if you want, if you have a 3D printer. And in terms of consequences, they're going to classify this as a misdemeanor with a mandatory 180 consecutive days in jail without work release and a potential sentence of up to a year, as well as a $1,500 fine, which translates to destroying your life. Since most people, most jobs don't give you that many vacation days. So they're literally about to destroy many, many people, many, many people's lives unfortunately. 
And they also, the law also includes the criminalization of selling guns to people per, prohibited from owning them, which is a virtual signal law because it's already illegal on the federal level. So they're making a law for the sake of making a law just so they could sound like they're smart. Because you cannot know, it's called a straw purchase. If you fill out any form, such as if you're going to buy a gun, anywhere in the United States, you'll fill out a 4473 paperwork, which is basically think of it as a job application for getting a gun, where you fill out your personal information, as well as you confirm you are not criminal. You also confirm many other things, including you're not buying it for third parties, which is called a straw purchase, and you're not buying it for a convicted criminal. So it's already, you already are, so it's a law for the sake of having a law, which unfortunately is most politics, which is politicians doing things just for the sake of doing things on left and right, just so they can look like they're doing things and sound smart. Hopefully that again gets overturned. Now going into the business blunder of the day, toy manufacturer Funko said that they're going to trash $30 million of inventory. So specifically, Funko said that they're going to toss away $30 million in the collectible vinyl pop figures. And I should be, should say collectible, quote unquote, because 99% of things made that are supposed to be collectible will never be collectible because of the sheer volume of units sold. It's just not going to be, it's not an investment. So it's, it's a fun little thing to have. It's a toy. And in terms of collectability of toys, it has been much for the past half century because after the Great Depression, after a certain period, perhaps in the 70s or 80s, people just started to hoard everything because of the previous experience where they saw old toys going for astronomical amounts of money when everyone used to throw them away. So I would never, as a rule of thumb, say collectible, toys are collectibles. Moving on, though. Now, this is due to the fact they're going to do this because it is cheaper to throw these toys away than to pay the storage fees. So like many businesses, they had a big bump in sales. So they expanded, made a lot more product and they had to store it somewhere. So they had to buy more warehouses, rent warehouses. And the company actually lost $47 million in Q4 2022. This is coming off a profit of 17 million in Q4 2021. So it seems like they were allowed, like many companies, they hit that COVID high and they sold, had a lot of sales they thought the game would never end or the merry-go-round would never stop. So they made all these investments and now they're stuck with a bunch of products that they can't get rid of, which also doesn't look good optically because all of your fans, the people who love those little figures, I mean, they're getting upset because I mean, they used, they're usually, they're used to paying for these things and you're just throwing them away. A smarter marketing, if they had a marketing manager, a much more intelligent marketing decision would be open up the doors for one or two days, have all the fans go there and pick them up. However, maybe that means they're going to, they would probably lose money in the future on the other items, but this isn't a good thing optically, especially with everyone. A lot of people are concerned about the environment and it's just, it doesn't look great optically. It's kind of like somewhat reminiscent of Atari when they actually threw away 700,000 game cartridges during the video game crash of the 1980s one of the most prolific video games in history, which many blame for the video game crash because of the utter low quality, was E.T. on the Atari 2600. And there were so many of those, they literally threw them away into, they took a bunch of trucks to landfill and became a conspiracy theory. And it was pretty interesting. Some historians actually dug, mapped it out and they dug up a bunch of those cartridges the past couple of years when they went to the site to kind of prove the story was true. And 
This is also coming off of the card game Magic the Gathering. They threw away about $700,000 worth of cards into a landfill. Granted, perhaps it's not accurate to say the value of them when perhaps the value is zero if they're throwing them away. But as again, a lot of these companies overinvested perhaps during the COVID, thought the sales would just go up and up and up. And in reality, now you got unparalleled inflation, economy struggling, and 2023 is going to be a rough one for, unfortunately, for a lot of people, a lot of companies. So a lot of these inventories are going to have to be junked because they are losing money every day that's in storage and it's just not adding value to them. Nevertheless, having all the inventory just tossing it away optically, physically, that has to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you'd like to see more content like this, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell your enemies, heck, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe, fight the good fight.